Well, howdy. You doing okay this morning, church family? Good. It's good to see you. I'm Josh, one of the ministers. It is good to see you. My family and I were away last week, but we got to watch our gathering last Sunday online. And the whole time, my wife, and I don't know how to take this exactly. Maybe I shouldn't be offended, but she kept saying, man, I really hate that I'm missing today's worship because it's all worship. There's like no long, boring sermon attached to it. And I added that extra part, but that was sort of her thought. So uh, Rob and Sean Alex did just a great job leading us through the ages in our songs. And um, I love the fact that we are a body of people who think deeply, but also praise deeply. And there's some churches, you know, there's some churches value certain songs from a certain era and disregard others. And then there are other churches that celebrate some songs from one era, but discard these others. And I love the fact that we're able to say the faithful of God have throughout history been using their voices to articulate what he is doing in their lives. And for us to be able to celebrate the old, the new, and the things to come is such a blessing to be a part of a body like that. And I just want to thank God for this church and thank God for the leaders that would encourage that and that we'd also have talented uh, leaders who could help us in that. Now, this morning we're starting a new series. And it's such a blessing to be a part of a body that continues to do what we say our mission is, which is simply this. Our mission is to reach the next person for Jesus. Why? Because every person matters to God. Uh, This past week, I received a text message from a member in our church. And, you know, we've been talking in our previous series about having gospel conversations, sharing the good news in everyday places. And this past week, one of our members shared this. Now, I have not put the person's name up here, but I want to share just a couple things from this text that I received. And this is what this individual wrote. I was speaking with a customer service representative at Macy's about a return. Her name was Jasmine. As I thanked her, I decided to tell her that I just heard a wonderful song, the song Be Okay by Lauren Daigle. It has really spoken to me and encouraged me. I asked her if she'd ever heard of her before, and she answered no. I told her it was a song of hope that with God and with his love that he has given to us, all things will be okay, even in the hardest of times. She told me I was her first call of the day, and she was having a really rough one. I told her that life is so hard and all of our problems can seem so daunting and insurmountable. It's, a, it's only because of God's love and life that we can make it through this life su- successfully. She agreed. I told her I didn't know how she felt about spiritual music. She said she loved it. I named the song again and told her I hope she would listen and always would remember that things will be okay in light of God's promises. She told me, thanks again. Now, listen to this last line. I believe God's spirit spoke to me to be more specific. See, it's not just enough for us to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I hope you have a great day. This is one of your siblings who comes right here who said, this is a moment where I get to put words to what I believe and share the goodness of God with someone else. Friends, you can do this. This is just one of the thousands and thousands of gospel conversations that God is going to open the doors for us to have over the coming years together. May God encourage you to do it. May you step boldly into these moments because you may be the voice that God uses to bless another person. So before we dive in this morning, let's pray together and then we'll get into the text, shall we? Lord, I thank you for every person in this room, for my brothers and my sisters. Will you please meet us here? Jesus, would you go before us in the text? Holy Spirit, would you make a way so we can see what only you can show us? And I pray as we now step into this new series that I believe will be a 
a marker for the rest of these many years together as a family. May you speak to us in these moments. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I gave you some handout sheets there. I'm going to ask you to follow along. We're going to put these out each week because we're in a series called Practicing the Way. And it's going to be a very formative one for us as a church. Now, let me give you a little bit of a heads up before we dive into a couple details. Number one, I'm going to do things a little different. This will be less of a preaching series and more of a teaching series. I plan to help us go through some practices and to be able to not simply know what to do, but to be able to do what God is calling us to do as people. Now, way you can get the most out of this is number one, follow along with the notes. On the back of it, you'll have group guides. So if you're in a small group, this is a great starting point for conversation on taking what God is showing us together to what God will show you as groups. Now, if you're not in a group, our groups minister Evan Aldridge will be at the next step table in the lobby after service. He wants to help you connect in a group. So if you're not in group life, find him. He will help you find a group so you can be a part of this journey with us this morning. Everyone got it? Everyone good? All right, here we go. Let's dive right in. I want to start with a big truth, and here it is. From the moment you were born, you have been formed into the person you are today. But you've been formed by the people and the experiences of your life. And so have I. Every one of us from the moment we were born until this moment and through the rest of our life, we are in the process of being formed into a certain kind of person. I was reminded of this very obvious fact shortly after Lindsay and I got married. We had one of our first arguments. Anyone else married who's ever had an argument? Anyone else in here willing to be honest so the preacher doesn't feel bad? So one of our first arguments was shortly after we were married, Lindsay asked me if I would do the laundry. And of course, gentlemen, you're still in honeymoon bliss. So what do you say to your wife? Absolutely, baby. Absolutely. So I'm like, I know how to do this. But then she says this, she goes, now let me show you how to do the laundry. Let me explain why that's insulting to me in particular. I was homeschooled like kindergarten through 12th grade. My parents gave us chores and called it home ec just so they could give us more chores. I knew how to do the laundry, thank you very much. But my wife says, let me show you how to do the laundry. She says, first, what you do, take half a load, put it in the dryer from the wash. And then, very, very, very important, take one dryer sheet, rip it in half. Put that first half on top of that first half of laundry. Then take the rest of the laundry, put it on top of that dryer sheet, put the other dryer sheet on top. Why do you do this? For maximum effectiveness of the dryer sheet. Kind of get it all through that stuff. She said, and once you're done, close it, you're ready to rock and roll. And what did I do? I laughed. And thus began the great war of 2006. (laughs) We've grown up a bit since then. We don't argue about silly things like that as much. But here's the question. What caused the argument? It was not the laundry. As silly as it was, it was not the laundry. What caused the argument was that I was raised to look for the shortest path to the finish line. Done is better than perfect. My wife was raised to find the best way to do things. Perfect is better than fast. And we didn't realize, even though we were in the middle of it, that we were simply living out how we had been formed. And we all do this on a regular basis. We've all been formed by our families, by our community, by our country, by our culture, by the news we watch, by the places we grew up, by the trauma we've had, and on and on and on. We've all been formed, and that is why today's title for this message is simply, Formation is Happening. 
Right now, you are being formed into a certain type of person. Every moment of every day, we're being formed into a certain type of person, either by default or by design. And from this very day until the day we die, you will continue to be formed into a certain kind of person. Formation is happening. Now, that is why the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans says this very familiar and very important thing. He says, do not... Conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind. Now, that word conform is really a construction term. It's the idea that if you're pouring concrete or something else, you build a mold first and pour into that mold so that this, this loose substance will harden into a particular shape. In other words, conformity includes formation, doesn't it? You're being made into something. The Apostle Paul says there's one alternative to this. It is not conform, but to be transformed, to be changed. But whether you are being conformed or transformed, formation is happening. We're all becoming a certain type of uh, person. And so that's why today we're beginning this series called Practicing the Way. And we're going to look at 15 spiritual practices over the next two months that are the way that we become the kind of people God created you to be from the moment you were born, but that this world and forces beyond what you and I are familiar with conspire to fight against us in becoming. And so we're going to look at what does it look like to become the kind of person that God has made us to be. Because, and here's the great news that we're going to just give you today, Jesus promises that truly you can become like him, not just in the next life, but in this life right now. Does anyone else just get a little tired of not being who God has made them to be today? If you're that way, if you're like me and you just want to be more like Jesus, but you get frustrated because you're not, the good news is we're going to look at the very practical ways that Jesus did it and followers of Jesus have done it throughout the centuries. Now, the reason we are calling, calling this practicing the way is because before Christians were called Christians, they were called followers of the way. Did you know that? In scripture, before we were called Christians, we were called followers of the way. Let me give you a couple examples. This is from Acts chapter 9, verse 2. Paul, before he was Paul, was a man named Saul, and he was going to the city of Damascus to arrest Christians, to throw them in prison. And it says this, Paul, if he found any there who belonged to, notice this, the way, he might take them as prisoners. And then in chapter 19, verse 9, talking about another event, some people refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. That's the church. That's you. That's me. Because we were not simply labeled as Christians. We were followers of the way. Now, that leads us to a very important question. Well, what is the way? Well, this title comes from a very important verse in John chapter 14 and verse 6, when Jesus makes a startling statement that has rocked the world. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now that word way is the Greek word hados, H-O-D-U-D-O-S. That is an, an alliteration or a English version of this word, hados. And it means a way, a path, a road, a process of becoming. He says, I am the way specifically to life. That's the word Zoe. Now, Zoe does not simply mean more years in your life. It means more life in the years you have. It's the abundant life that Jesus talks about. He says, 
He is the way to the abundant life, not just getting through the years, but that God's power would infuse the years that we have to experience the fullness that he has in store for each of us. Now, one day Jesus used these two words in a very interesting way. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says these words, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is, notice this, narrow, and the way, hadas, is constricted that leads to life, Zoe. And there are few who find it. He's actually saying that the way that the world wants you to go does not lead you to the abundant life of Christ because it is not the true way of God. There's a broad, normal way that everyone says, this is just how life works. But Jesus says, there's this counterintuitive way. Now, when I grew up, I used to think that Jesus was saying, there's this big way that most people see and God has hidden the good way. It's like, I don't want anyone to know. I'm trying to keep you out. Friends, that is not what this text is saying. God is not trying to hide life from you. Rather, Jesus is saying there is a way to life, but it is so counterintuitive to the way the world works that most people, including many Christians, never experience the fullness of life in this life. How sad would it be to be saved but not experience the fullness of God's life today? But he says there is a way, and that's what these practices show us. They are the way to the hidden path. It's the way of living as Jesus in our everyday life. And so today, we're going to go on a journey starting today for the next two months. And today is just to set up the conversation. That's all this is. Like I said, this is more teaching than preaching. So if you're ready for like a fiery sermon, I'm sorry we're not getting that today. I just want to set the table because our goal is to begin practicing the way of Jesus as a body. Sort of like breathing. You breathe out and you breathe in. Breathe out what's inside of us. Get it out, the junk out. And receive the power of God to live as Christ has called us to live. And so t- starting today, we're going to go on a journey looking at these fifth, excuse me, 15 core practices for spiritual growth. And I'm going to take, over the course of these two months, the descriptions of these 15 practices by a man named Dallas Willard. Now, some of you, if you came to our leadership training in August, some of this is going to be familiar with you. In fact, it was because of your response to some of the little snapshot information we shared there that we're doing this. Instead of just looking at a couple of them a little bit, we're going to take all 15 because our goal is that we would all be people who know the way of Jesus and live the way of Jesus daily. And what I love about this is Dallas Willard, I learned about him about 20 years ago. And he's one of these guys who's just a big, big, big brain guy. He passed away a decade ago, but he left for us beautiful writings about the spiritual practices, spiritual formation, becoming like Jesus in our everyday life. And I just got to warn you, if you're going to read his stuff, he's verbose. He's like a preacher, but he's a lot smarter than this preacher. So he's kind of hard to read, but what he says is so very, very valuable. And there's this particular book that we're going to look at called The Spirit of the Disciplines. And every week we're going to do three things. This is what I'm going to promise you over the next two months. Number one, we're going to look at a definition for a couple of the practices. We're going to cover a couple every week. So I'm going to give you a definition. What is that practice? Number two, why are we doing that practice? Why does it matter? Because here's what you need to know. The spiritual disciplines are not an end unto themselves. They are a means to the life God wants to give you. In fact, Real quick, very important point. You don't get any more brownie points with God if you do any of these. And by the way, you're no more saved if you do them than if you don't. These are simply a way of opening yourself up to the freedom of God in your life to receive the power of God through your everyday life. 
And then the third thing that we're going to do is I'm going to give you every week just a real quick few tips, sort of a miniature version of how can you practice this in your group or individually in the coming week. Because as followers of Jesus, it is not enough to know the word of God. We must practice the way of God. And so that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. And after these two months, you'll have a working knowledge of this and you'll be able to begin practicing this. Now, here's why this is so important to us. And let me just tell you where this comes from. I have grown up in the church. I grew up, and I've told you before, I sort of joke about it, but in the church I grew up, my parents, we always sat on the far right section in the second to front row. And we were there every Sunday. My mom, she's a social butterfly, so we were the first ones there. We were the last ones to leave. We were there Sunday morning, Sunday night. We were there for Tuesday ladies' Bible class. We were there for Wednesdays. I was homeschooled, so we even met in the church for homeschool group times. We were there all the time. I've always wanted to love God and follow God. I've had a hunger to know him. And so that's why I went to uh, university to study theology. And then I went to some seminary after that to go even deeper. I want to go into ministry. But I have been frustrated at seasons in my life because I know what it looks like, I think, to be like Jesus. And yet I find myself incapable of becoming like him. I know I'm being formed into something, but it's not who I want to be formed into. And so... By God's grace, he showed some of these resources, and this is one of the resources that has really helped my life over the past 15, 20 years. And so I just want us to look through this as a way of kind of saying, how can we open ourselves to the practices and the work of God? Because listen, I know I'm supposed to be more loving, but I'm not. I know I'm supposed to read my Bible and pray more, but can we be honest? Sometimes we don't want to read the Bible. Anyone else honest enough to say, oh yeah, to that? There's like three of us. Okay, from me to you, oh yeah. There are days I don't want to read my Bible. Does that shock you as your preacher? No? You know me too well. Okay, very good. But there's a way of living where we begin to become more like Jesus. So this is what Willard writes. My central claim is that we can become like Christ by doing one thing. And here's the key idea for today that will set up everything for the next two months. My central claim is that we can become like Christ by doing one thing, by following him in the overall style of life he chose for himself. If we have faith in Christ, we must believe that he knew how to live. We can, through faith and grace, become like Christ by practicing the types of activities that he engaged in, by arranging our whole lives around the activities he himself practiced in order to remain constantly, I love this, constantly at home in the fellowship of the Father. This is such an interesting phrase to be at home with the Father. And home is such a difficult phrase to understand. What is a home? Is it a place or is it a group? What is a home? A home, as best I can express it, is simply the place where you are comfortable being you fully. And there's a way that you can organize your life so that you are fully at home with God, where you're fully you. You are the you that you were meant to be before you even came into this world. There's a way of organizing life that we get to experience the presence of God most fully. And so here's the big idea. Write this down if you have those notes in front of you, which I know you do. Here's the big idea. Becoming like Jesus happens when we arrange our lives around the same activities that Jesus arranged his life around. Let me say that again. Becoming like Jesus happens when we arrange our lives around the same activities that Jesus arranged his life 
around. This is the secret to the hidden way that Jesus talks about. These activities are called spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. And for many of us, when we hear the word spiritual practice or spiritual disciplines, most of us just think, I must try harder. I got to work harder. I just got to try harder. So I've got to try harder to be loving. I've got to try harder to be patient. But that never works. In fact, trying harder never changes us long-term in very significant ways. Have you ever noticed? You try to lose weight. You try hard for two months. You lose a lot of weight. And then guess what happens? Those little demon things called Oreos begin to call to you at 2 a.m. from the pantry. And I know it happens to you, not just to me. Right? Please. Yes. Anyone else? Okay. And so you try harder, but it doesn't last. So trying harder doesn't work. In fact, think about this. Um, If you've ever tried to play an instrument, imagine I invited you up here and we pulled out a piano and I said, here is a Bach concerto. I want you to play this piece. And you try and you don't do very well. So what do I say? Well, try harder. When has trying harder made someone who could not play a piece be able to play a piece? Or imagine you say, I'm going to try to run a four-minute mile, but you've never gotten up off the couch for more than five steps. And we say, well, just try harder. Yeah, you will try harder right into a stroke, correct? No, what do you do? We don't try harder. Instead, we arrange our lives around the activities that those who do these kinds of things do. So if you want to play a Bach concerto, you arrange your life around the activities that someone who can do that does. And if you want to run a four-minute mile, you begin to arrange your life around the activities that someone who can do that very, very well does as well. Does this make sense? Give me a little head nod so I know I can move on. Yeah? Okay, very good. So here's where I want us to go now. This is simply what Jesus is talking about as the narrow way. It's not try harder. It's not white-knuckle it, brothers and sisters. It's simply begin to arrange your life around the way of life that Jesus arranged his life. If you want to do what Jesus did, arrange your life around the activities that Jesus did. Now, this partly is simple wisdom about human life and how we are designed that has been understood throughout the ancient world, but also even in our our modern day. People kind of get this, that if you arrange your life in a certain way, you'll get certain results. There's a man named Meyer Friedman. Uh, He's a guy who talks about the type A personality. Quick question. uh, Raise your hand if you're a type A personality. Okay, let's do it this way. Raise your hand if you're married to a type A personality. Anyone else? Yeah, a few more honest hands go up. Type A, let's get it done. Let's move on. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I tend to be type A, so that's just the way I'm wired. Well, he talks about how do you help A type A personality practice patience. How do you get someone who's not patient to become patient? And you don't just try harder and say, I'm going to be patient today. How does that work for a four-year-old? Just be patient, sweetheart. It doesn't. So he says, what you do is you begin to practice certain things, order your life in a certain way, and the, the inevitable result is patience. So for a month, Choose, deliberately choose to drive in the slower lane of traffic. Some of you are already beginning to go sweats. You're like, uh uh. (laughs) I've seen those people. Uh uh. Or for a month, go to the longest line in the grocery store. Again, some of you are going, mm mm, not doing it. But if you want to begin to be patient, you practice the ways of a patient person. And eventually you'll begin to do that which right now is impossible for you to do through sheer force of will. I love what Willard says. 
He says the general failing of humanity is that we want to do what's right, but we are not willing to arrange our lives in such a way that the right things will come out of us. I want this result, but I'm unwilling to do what it takes to begin to experience that result. There was one day where Willard was at a group setting and he shared this statement and he said, the sign of a mature of maturity is a person who will effortlessly do what Jesus would do in their place. It's that word effortlessly that just blows my mind. What would it look like to effortlessly begin to do what Jesus does? Where you're not like, oh, should I do this? Ah, where it just begins to come out of you. There is a way of Jesus that leads to the effortless growth that leads us to this way of living. And you think about any mature musician, they begin to play that piece effortlessly. The mature runner, they effortlessly run the distance at the speed they want to run. Is this all making sense? And so here's what I want to do. I want to just give you a very simple tool. This is a framework that Willard gives. It's called the Golden Triangle of Spiritual Transformation. Because spiritual practices are but one piece of what God does to grow us to become like his son, Jesus Christ. And so let me just walk you through this very simple. At the very top of the triangle is the actions or activities of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit of God is actively at work. Do you remember the quote that I shared with you from one of our members earlier today? God's Spirit is the one who prompts us, leads us, directs us, guides us into all truth. God is the one who initiates the process of becoming like Him. Jesus even said it is the Holy Spirit who goes out into the world convicting the world of sin of righteousness and of the coming judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the one who prompts us to become who God has called us to be. This is great news. It is not a solo effort to become like Jesus. God himself partners with you to make you more like Jesus Christ. So at the very beginning, it begins with God. So today, something I would encourage you to think about. What thoughts are going on in my mind that are actually the Spirit of God guiding me? I believe that you are here with me right now, that we are together in this room right now because the Spirit guided all of us to this moment together because that's what the Spirit does. Now, the bottom left corner, the second part is that growth happens through the tasks and the trials of everyday life. The tasks and the trials of everyday life. I love what Willard says in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. He says, we must accept the circumstances we constantly find ourselves in as, now pay attention to this, as the place of God's kingdom and blessing. God has yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. Friend, God will not bless you in a place that you are not. If you are going through a divorce and you don't want to go through the divorce, it's not your fault. You've tried to maintain this marriage. Did you know that even in this moment of devastation, this is where God wants to meet you and grow you and this kingdom's presence can still be in this place. You're going through the loss of a loved one. 
It is in this place that the kingdom of God can be experienced. You don't have to wait to get to another place to experience the presence of God. Some of you, you're in legal trouble. This is the place where the kingdom of God can actually work. You're in a great place. You just got married. Praise God. This is where the kingdom of God is experienced. You just had your first child. Praise God. This is where the kingdom of God can be experienced. Wherever you are is where the kingdom of God is available to you. God cannot, nor does he present the kingdom of God to you where you are not. This is good news, meaning you don't have to wait for a mountaintop to meet with God, for it is even, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. He goes on. Sorry, I started to preach there. Let's get back to the teaching. And if we, he says, faithlessly discard situation after situation, moment after moment, as not being right, we simply have no place to receive his kingdom into our life for those situations and those moments are our life. Spiritual growth happens because the Holy Spirit works and in the trials and the tasks of everyday life. And then the third one, all this comes together as we practice spiritual disciplines. We partner with God saying, okay, in this moment that I'm facing, this moment I'm experiencing, Spirit, you're speaking to me. I now will process and practice and do what my Savior did. Not to earn brownie points, not to be more um, worthy before you, but rather to open myself up to the very power of the resurrected King Jesus. That the power that brought him out of the grave may fully present itself through my life. That I really can look Live and be more like Jesus, not just in the kingdom to come, but in day-to-day life right here, right now. Does anyone else want that? It's available. And so here's where we're going to end this morning is just a simple thought. Formation is happening. And where I want us to just sort of land things this morning is we're just going to pray together. I'm going to ask you to get comfortable. Go ahead and put your feet flat on the floor, if you will. There's nothing magical about it, but it helps you from falling asleep or your leg getting all stiff. I invite you to maybe take a posture of reception. And what I mean by that is maybe you want to bow your head. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Sometimes when I pray, I will actually put my hands, not up high, but I'll put them down like this. And it's simply my way of saying, Lord, I want to receive from you what you want to give to me. And we're simply going to ask the Lord to begin meeting with us over these next two months that the time we spend in this room will be just a starting point of the way he wants to meet with us day in, day out. Not just for two months, but for the rest of our lives. And so if you will, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to go any place to be with you for everywhere we are, you are present. We thank you that in this moment you meet us here. For my brothers and sisters, for those in this room who are burdened and just weighed down because life is hard and they have drugged themselves into this room and they're just kind of, they're here because they know they should, but they just feel broken, empty, frustrated, sad, angry, bewildered, whatever. I pray you would meet them in this moment. Yes, in the trials and the tasks of everyday life, would you meet them even right now? Would you, Holy Spirit, speak to each of us? For those who have almost given up hope that life can look more like Jesus, would you whisper to that person right now, there is life in Jesus and there is more available to you, dear child of God. 
Father, for the person who's simply exploring faith this morning but has yet to say yes to Christ, I pray that you would please call them into relationship with you, that they would say yes to you, that they would meet us in the lobby, that we would then introduce them to you through the waters of baptism. And for each of us this week, may we be open to the reality that you are at work. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.